0: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wasinski, Ardo Ocal, here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts, as well as the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Slow things down just a little bit during the holiday season, but that doesn't mean we don't have some great episodes for you, including this one. As you can see, Wish is wearing the hat. This episode is all about the Winter Classic the 2024 yeah no yeah edition.
1: and uh, it's a uh, it's a hat from the Winter Classic that was played at Notre Dame uh, a really really fun event uh, it's a flannel hat which I've already come to realize might have been a mistake indoors uh, my head is very hot but I'm gonna keep it on because it's the gimmick. <laughs>
0: Thank you for doing that. Commit to the bit. It is the 15th edition of the Winter Classic. We've got a special Winter Classic trivia coming up a little bit later with Mike Camito, who is a hockey historian. He's got a book out. We'll talk about that as well. That's happening later. So the 2024 edition uh, is a really cool vibe to it, a nice fun battle between the expansion teams between the Golden Knights and the Kraken. It will be in Seattle at T-Mobile park, the home of the Mariners. It'll be on January 1st as is custom. Uh, But we decided, you know what? Let's talk about the winter classic. Let's have a winter classic centric episode. This happens every year. Wish this is Mm -hmm. number 15. I would love to gauge your vibe as somebody who's been covering hockey for a very long time has seen tentpole events like this come and go. This one obviously has stood the test of time for now, mm-hmm. over a decade. Where is your interest level on the Winter Classic today?
1: Well, I think it's kind of morphed and changed a little bit in the sense of like, it used to be a real curiosity, a real spectacle, um, the, the novelty of seeing a hockey game played in Wrigley Field, for example, or something like that. I think the early part of the winter classic was simply hockey outdoors and then hockey in place where I know of to be another sports place. And and that lasted for about five or six years. And then, you know, they started doing all these stadium series games and a couple of heritage classic games and the novelty of being outdoors kind of subsided. And then, you know, once you run through a bunch of these iconic venues uh, then now you're playing games in, you know, storied Target Field in Minnesota, <laughs> you know, places like that. T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Um, so I here's where I think it is right now. I think it's a cool annual thing to have on the uh first day of the year. You can mix in the winter classic with your college football consumption as you're recovering from your hangover. Here's some hockey. Um but I think for the most part, much like the stadium series, Arta, it has become this wonderful gathering place for fans in a geographic area. I mean, you're packing uh, 40,000 fans. In the case of, of some places, 70,000 fans into a place, and it becomes sort of like the all-star game. You know, it's less about what you're watching on the ice as it is. Gathering everybody together, a group of like-minded people, a big family reunion of hockey fans, and you go and watch a game outdoors and and tailgate your your behinds off.
0: I love it. And I agree a hundred percent. And actually, I compare it to the All-Star game because I know we always have the conversation about the location of the All-Star game. The players would rather it be in a warmer location or a more fun location, things like that. The winter classic can really be a reward for fan bases. It can yeah. really be anywhere any city in the NHL and I feel like we I'm 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 happy with that vibe. I, exactly what you described, I'm very happy with that vibe. Another question I have though. Are we yeah. getting to the point where I don't feel this necessarily yet because I think that I'm okay with the traveling circus vibe of the Winter Classic but are you exhausted with the locations? Uh, like, are we are are we expecting too much? Are we always hope hoping and demanding more and more and more unique, 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 fascinating in terms of venues and and locations for the Winter Classic? W- where are we on that?
1: I think the ratio has changed. I mean, think about the first few Winter Classics, right? Ralph Ralph Wilson, Wilson Stadium at Buffalo, obviously they just needed to hold it someplace. And that place was cold and snowy and it was cool. But then you go Wrigley Field, Fenway Park. Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Citizens Bank Park in Philly, and then Michigan Stadium for that epic showdown, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, You know, like of the first six or so, you have at least three or four iconic locations, right? So I think the ratio now is maybe you get one iconic location every five games. Um, You know, we, we, we went from like Notre Dame to the Cotton Bowl. Those are two in a row that are iconic. And then we went to Target Field, which is the opposite. Then we Mm -hmm. went back to Fenway. Now we're at T Mobile Park. As long as they sprinkle in some places that are unique, um, I I think it's going to be okay. I think it'll keep our interest. They just can't go generic cookie cutter baseball stadium every year. But there are still a few on the table, Arda. I mean, we're talking about places like, uh, you know, uh, Lambeau Field, we've not done. Oh, yeah. Uh, Happy Valley. Uh, you know, between the Flyers and the Penguins, we've not done at Penn State. There are a few that are still on the table, and and obviously the NHL more than anything, uh, through the at least the stadium series has shown that they can they can make ice
0: anywhere. So and there's and, lots and still on the table. Once we can winterize it, the shoe and Columbus. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. I mean that that's one that's that's sort of been on the table for a while, and that would be epic. And and that kind of speaks to the thing we were just talking about. You know, what a moment for Columbus hockey. Even if the Blue Jackets suck and based on recent events they probably will. Um, you know, like it's still going to be an amazing time for everybody in that community oh, yeah. to come together and celebrate Ohio State, celebrate hockey in Ohio, go and boo either the Penguins or the Red Wings, whoever shows up as the opponent. I mean, that that would be epic. And again, that's the best part about this, the enthusiasm of people traveling to a thing, being with all your friends. You're 80,000 strong and and just celebrating the whole thing for a day. It's it, it really I know a lot of people think the blooms off the rose for this, but I I love the Winter Classic.
0: Nah, I, I think it's a destination. I think it's among the most. How do I put this other than seeing your team in a visiting arena like just, oh, I want to go to Florida and watch my team and a road trip or I want to go to Vegas. The Winter Classic remains one of those destination yeah spots for fans to travel to even if their teams are not playing so it, it's, it's absolutely necessary as part of the calendar every year a
1: few shout outs shout out to NBC the former rights holder of the NHL which was a driving force in getting the winter classic to become a thing they they needed programming on, jo- on January 1st they didn't have a bunch of college football games they said how about a hockey outdoor game the NHL is like, hey, we've been thinking about that, too. Shout out to John Collins, who you're going to hear from later, the COO of the NHL at that point, who uh, was a driving force behind the scenes, convincing people this could work. And shout out to Steve Mayer, our friend, who uh, a friend of the drop, who um, has been the creative force behind the outdoor games that we've seen through the years. For example, like, you know, all the, all the accoutrement, the big boot that you saw at the Cotton Bowl and things like that. I mean, that's Steve Mayer. Uh, he's, they went back to Fenway because Steve Mayer hadn't gotten a chance to really do his thing at that venue. And the second time around, it looked so much cooler. So there's a lot of people behind the scenes that have made this thing as iconic as it is. And, um, and, and I, you know, it's, it's been a really cool thing for the NHL for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, Steve Mayer is a very creative guy and actually Fenway last year is a perfect example of what I would love the winter classic to have every single year. Like it felt unique. It felt uh, appropriate to the venue itself. And if that was the case every year, I would definitely look forward to how they dress up the venue in that way. It's great. And we should say also
1: that I think that, you know, the NHL outdoor games used to get mocked rightfully so. For repeating the same teams over and over and over and over again. The Blackhawks being in the game every year, like basically stadium series or winter classic, the, the flyers would be in it every year. The penguins, a lot of these teams were, were used over and over again in the last few seasons in the winter classic in particular, Nashville versus Dallas, St. Louis versus Minnesota. You know, now we've got the Knights and the Kraken. Like they've also gotten a little bit more adventurous, with the teams that they're allowing in this signature event, anyone get a stadium series, except for like the Coyotes and the Panthers. Uh, but 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 like it's re- it's still really hard to get a Winter classic. And uh, I was I was really heartened to see the NHL get a little bit more adventurous in their locations and also in their participants, which has to happen, I think, for this event to stay relevant.
0: Let's talk uh, favorite and least favorite winter classics. I'll start my favorite. It has a personal connection, but also the visual was incredible. 2014 Ann Arbor, the big house, Leafs and Red Wings. Uh, the visual of a hundred thousand people. If you see the aerial shot, it might be one of my favorite pictures in sports. It it looks like a perfect separation of fans wearing blue versus fans wearing red on opposite sides of the stadium, and that it, it it's not photoshopped. It that's just how it happened, and it was just an incredible look. Now the personal connection here is I was actually working in weather at the time, so I was with the Weather Network, which is like the Weather Channel in the states. That's the Canadian version. And it was a weather event because the, the play actually stopped every two minutes yep. for extra shoveling. So yeah. it was kind of cool that there was like this weather event to it. There was there was like the elements were playing a factor, et cetera. So it was just an overall great vibe. People were having a great time. And it was just a sea of humanity, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. Um, and, my-
1: and all but also like it was also it, it me. one of the great things about the Winter Classic or any of these outdoor games, is how meaningful it is to the players, because You know, it it does harken back to the Canadian cliche, the boys on the pond and they're playing puck and then they come inside and have mom's hot cocoa kind of thing. Like (laughs) it's it's a stupid cliche thing. But the the players do appreciate how it links it back to the, the way they grew up playing the game in many cases before climate change. Now there's no ice. So that's part of it. They love being able to be there with their families. They love the swag they get for being a part of the game, all the cool winter classic stuff like the hat I'm wearing right now. Um, But the big house, the Michigan game, was in that special class of Winter Classics where they are legit excited to be in that environment. Sometimes they go to these games and it's like, well, I just want to be able that I can make sure I can wear eye black and and and, and be able to see the puck and yada, yada, yada. But being in the big house and knowing what the environment was going to be, I remember the lead up to it. That was the thing, is playing in that venue. And that was what made that really special.
0: So it was cold in 2014, but it was much colder In 2022, uh, which uh, I will pick as the least favorite, not because the game was bad. This is uh, Minnesota. This is Target Field. Uh, But I can tell you the players themselves and in particular, uh, one of my one of the funniest stories uh, that I've heard at my time at ESPN uh, was from Hillary Knight. Uh, We've worked with her extensively, especially on hockey international shows. You and I wish Uh, she tells a great story about waiting to be introduced uh, during this game. They were going to introduce the women's uh, U.S. national hockey team, but they were waiting during a commercial break and they weren't waiting indoors. They were in position outside. And so to have to wait through the commercial break in this blistering, like freeze beyond freezing weather, uh, not the best. Not the best moment for <laughs> no. the national team just waiting there, freezing their butts off while they're waiting for the commercial break to end. Uh, it just makes me laugh at just the visual of them. Uh, so for that well, I mean, reason had, I'm picking worst. you have I
1: mean you did have players showing up to that event if Emory serves wearing like swimwear, right? the, that, the stadium oh, series gosh. started the tradition of teams uh creating outfits to enter the uh, venue in uh, I think that was probably a stadium series event uh, invention and then it spilled over to the Winter Classic again another charming part of the NHL outdoor game lore the fact that these guys are like there's somebody there's a point person in the locker room that's like boys what are we going to wear to this to the, to the gala
0: love and it it's just like, love great. it Look, the, the Bruins right. and the Red Sox they nailed it like, yep, yep, they, yep, even yep. the Pittsburgh and the Pirates they nailed it anyhow
1: and the and that that outdoor game that they had in Nashville where you know they, they were doing like like outlaw biker jackets and stuff like that. It's it's dope. I love it. I love it. What are yours? Uh, For for me, my favorite is 2020, the Cotton Bowl. I I was at the big house. I acknowledge its greatness. I acknowledge the importance of the game at Ralph Wilson Stadium. You never forget your first time. But the Cotton Bowl, for me, was the epitome of what this event can do, which is hockey in a place you don't expect it. Hockey in a place where people are craving the chance to all get together to celebrate the sport to celebrate their teams um 85 over eighty-five thousand people come to the cotton bowl for this game second largest crowd they've had in the history of the winter classic the accoutrements steve mayer created the giant cowboy boot you know what pig races i think it was or some (laughs) such uh and then the game itself was incredible maybe one of my favorite games we've had outdoors the Corey Perry walk of shame for the hit on Ryan Ellis in the first period, which has been memed to death in recent weeks for reasons we won't rehash. Um, uh, Four unanswered goals by the Dallas Stars to beat the Predators after Nashville took a 2-0 lead in the first period. The second intermission had a tribute to the State Fair of Texas, including a rodeo show. Outside of the venue was a midway with games and all kinds of food and stuff, which is a little too crowded, but a a good idea nonetheless. Um the jerseys both ruled you you've often referenced the gloves the Dallas Stars wore that yep. day um just my favorite time man like everything i want from an outdoor game in a, in a positive sense um as far as the fan interaction and and the sense of community was encapsulated by by that event i loved it my least favorite is the antithesis of that event which is the 2018 Winter Classic at City Field what a soulless money grab garbage game That whole thing was Um, for those who don't remember in 2018, it was the 10th anniversary of the Winter Classic. The Rangers wanted to hold their game outdoors at West Point. It's still something that they've tried to do. Couldn't pull it together. That didn't happen. Uh, the, The backup plan was Yankee Stadium. That was booked for the pinstripe bowl. So that couldn't happen. So it was off to the storied home of my New York Mets, City Field, which again is a great baseball stadium, but has absolutely no sense of history whatsoever and few fans feel connections to it. The Sabres, who are the opponent in that game, they wanted the game back in Buffalo for the 10th anniversary of the Ralph Wilson Stadium game. Problem being, the 2018 World Junior Championships were going to have an outdoor game a few weeks earlier. The NHL said we want, don't want two outdoor games in the same city sort of in close uh, proximity to each other uh, time-wise, so Buffalo couldn't have the game there. Uh, Please recall, Arda, that in order to maintain the tax-exempt status of the Rangers' home arena, Madison Square Garden, the Rangers were the designated away team in a game played at the home of the New York Mets against a team from Western New York. It was stupid. Um, It was freezing 20 degrees outside. No buzz for this game. No atmosphere for this game. Arda, the Buffalo Sabers basically wore their white jerseys for this game with a few extra stripes placed on it. I cannot tell you how disappointed I was in this event. I cannot tell you how much uh, I feel it was the nadir of the of the Winter Classic run. Stadium series, it may have been fine. Winter Classic, it was stupid.
2: Mm.
0: So you're on the fence. <laughs>
1: It was a 50-50 proposition as to whether or not I made that that my least favorite.
0: Uh, So those are our favorites and least favorites. uh, But what about the first? You talked about Buffalo. It was Ralph Wilson Stadium. It was just over 15 years ago. uh, And you have prepared us uh, something for the occasion. Wish, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible moment for the league, uh, and I wanted to kind of take a look back at the difficulties, the obstacles, the questions that people had leading up to that game, um, and also get some memories for one from one of the game's most important players. So here's a little mini-doc about the first Winter Classic back in 2008. The first Winter Classic was held on January 1st, 2008 at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. That's quite a long time ago, as I regretfully had to inform Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't want to make you feel old.
3: No, oh, I've had a lot of that today, so I'm sure I saw (laughs) you, too late. uh,
1: I don't want to make you feel old, but it's been 15 years since Mm -hmm. the first Winter Classic. I think the first Winter Classic is one of the more underrated signature moments in Sidney Crosby's legendary career. Like, it wasn't the golden goal, it wasn't lifting the Stanley Cup three times, but what it was, was that indelible memory we have from the first event of Sidney Crosby scoring that shootout goal, winning the game for the Penguins against the Sabres, and looking like it was a scene captured inside of a snow globe.
3: Just coming out of the tunnel and just, You know, you, you had no idea, like I've never come through a football tunnel and experienced what what those guys would see um, on you know a weekly basis or whatever it is. But you know, I think that uh, you know seeing a hockey rink in the middle of a football stadium, packed, just loud, snow coming down. It's like this perfect mix between like hockey being pure outside combined with you know playing in the NHL and your dream of playing in the NHL. So. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was just so incredible. And uh, still, I mean, we've played in other ones, but nothing, nothing matches that feel coming out of Buffalo.
1: Hockey fans know that there's only one miracle on ice, but there were some miraculous things to the first winter classic becoming a reality. And not just because the ice crew had to fix divots every three minutes of gameplay like it was some kind of polo match. Off the ice, there were a lot of challenges to this thing becoming a reality. Now, John Collins was the COO of the NHL at the time. I recently caught up with him at a press conference for the stadium series at MetLife to
4: talk about the humble beginnings of the Winter Classic. I think from really the moment that Gary gave it a go ahead, there were hurdles all the way through this thing from could we get a sponsor? Could we sell 80,000 tickets? And then there were hockey operational concerns like, okay, if the weather's bad, what's an official game? Is it like baseball, right? Like, how many do we have to play two periods? Like, we don't have those rules. Um, what if the wind is really bad? Should, you know, how do we adjust? All right, let me give you a little bit of an origin story about the Winter Classic. January 1st in the
1: U.S. is College Football Day. Except NBC didn't really have a slate of games like its competitors did. What NBC did have, starting in 2005, was the NHL. So president of programming John Miller saw an opportunity to program something other than figure skating and dog shows on New Year's Day. Miller and Collins started to work together on the concept of an outdoor hockey game on January 1st. As Collins recalled, the initial concept was to piggyback off of one of sports greatest city rivalries.
4: The, the original thought was do it at Yankee Stadium, do do it at the old Yankee Stadium, you know, have it be the Rangers and the Bruins and you know. Now we're talking about you know, Buffalo. And it's a little different.
1: After the Rangers and Bruins didn't work, Buffalo stepped up to be the host of the Winter Classic. The problem was finding someone who wanted to play Buffalo. They asked every division rival, every geographic rival, they got no, 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 no across the board until they came to the Pittsburgh Penguins. As Collins recalls it, David Morehouse had just become CEO of the team, and he was, quote, a very forward-thinking guy. So he offered up the Penguins as the opponent of the Buffalo Sabres in the Winter Classic. And as for Buffalo, any concerns about them as a venue was blown away like a snowdrift after they got a look at the fans. That
4: New Year's Eve, that New Year's Day was, Unbelievable, right? And then, you know, then the game was incredible. And that, that fan base was, you know, they treated it like it was any other big event, AFC Championship game, right? It was like the same crowd. They were tailgating, and had the shirts off, and painted chests, and it was amazing. The Winter Classic had its challenges, and it had its
1: skeptics. But Collins said the opposition was never fierce enough where
4: he was concerned the game wouldn't happen. On the inside, you were having to meet the challenge or you were holding your breath, but I don't think it was ever really a question that it wouldn't come off. I mean, I give a lot of credit to, to Gary for uh, you know having the guts to, to you know, see the vision and, uh, and support the vision because there were a lot of moments where I'm sure there was complaining from other parts of the organization you know, the, the NHL generally, there probably were some doubts that this was, you know, ultimately uh, something that would turn out to be 37 sold out games, right? Not, not, not just a gimmick. But what does Sidney Crosby
1: think about the first Winter Classic when he thinks back to that event?
3: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I think we just didn't, I didn't see it playing out that way. I thought it might be just like a one-time deal and then to see the way it, the way it went and uh, to see it continually get the you know the attention that it gets and have the impact that it has, uh, they're fun. I mean, I don't know what our record is. I like it to be a little bit better in those, but uh, the first one was was incredible.
0: All right, fourteen Winter Classic games. Another one coming up. Plenty of history here. So we decided. You know what? Why don't we call? The, the hockey historian to come yeah. on to the show and give us a little bit of a trivia contest. It's a normally P, uh, hockey fans would know M versus W, now it's a versus W. <laughs> so we're gonna go head to head, wish all right, buddy. Uh, we're gonna do a little trivia battle with our good friend, uh, Mike Comito. He's got a book out Leafs 365, um, which I'm excited to dive into. Uh, growing up a Leafs fan, I'm sure I'm gonna learn a thing or two or 10. Um, before we get to the trivia contest, though, Mike, thanks for joining us on the show. And I'm curious, like going through the process of learning everything you possibly can about the Toronto Maple Leafs, what was one fact, one tidbit that really, really shocked you and surprised you about the Leafs?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot, right? Because I think the, the way the book kind of structures itself, it's 365 moments in Leafs history, one for every day of the year. I go as far back as when the when the, the team joined the NHL in 1917 up to the most recent playoff run. I actually had to get the publisher to let me sneak in that that win against Tampa Bay. Um <laughs> you know, kind of in the last minute because we were in the final proofing stages. So they reluctantly agreed and I was able to include that in there. But I mean, there's been a lot of different moments, I think, over the years. One that that had kind of shocked me, and again, it is a story that I think a lot of a lot of Lee fans and maybe a lot of hockey fans know. Um, But when I was doing the research for the book, uh, just because of the time in which I was born, I didn't get to experience this player when he was with the Leafs was uh, the story about Brian Spencer. And there is, there's a book about uh, Spencer and there's, I believe a documentary as well. But when I was kind of doing the research for the book, you know, I used a great database. And one of the days that I kind of looked at, including him in was it said that on this day, you know, Brian Spencer scored his first NHL point. So I just kind of put that into my rubric and then I continued on with the research. And then when I got to that that story when I started to write and do the research um, I noticed that in the lead up to that game, you know, Spencer was considering not playing in that game because you know, his father had, his father has passed away. And at the time I was not aware of Brian Spencer and his story. I did a little bit more research and what I uncovered, which again, it's not exactly a pick me up story around the holidays, but um, his father a couple nights earlier, they lived in Prince George, British Columbia, where there wasn't there was only one TV station, and I guess uh, Brian had made it onto Hockey Night in Canada, but the Prince George TV station didn't broadcast that interview, and so he went to the station armed, and he uh, he was very upset with the TV personnel there. Uh, they ended up calling the RCMP, and then as he was attempting to leave the station, he got into a firefight with the RCMP, and he died. Uh, he was shot and killed by by the RCMP. So it was an awful story that, again, now that you know Brand Spencer's name, if you were to look him up online, you would see all of this, right? But at the time, I kind of just went in just pulling names off of different databases. Uh, and he all ultimately ended up having, you know, a tragic life as well, obviously having to deal with that. But then after he left pro hockey, he struggled with substance abuse. He was also killed in a robbery gone wrong, you know, oh my God, at, at a very early age. So awful, awful story. I mean, it's unfortunate that's the one that I think of when you ask that question, but simply because it was, to me, as somebody who didn't grow up watching Brian Spencer, and I hadn't stumbled upon that great book about his life before I started doing the book, uh, it really kind of threw me for a loop.
1: Look, it's 365 things about the Leafs. We know it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That is true. I mean,
0: that's wild, though. I mean, if yeah. that's where, if that's what you're bringing to us here on the podcast, then it's definitely a book worth picking up. Wow, that's that's intense, Mike. Um, speaking of intensity, uh, we have a trivia contest to get to. Uh, <laughs> Wish and I are gonna battle. I don't, I don't you know tri- if the RCMP hit the
1: transition, baby. I don't, I don't think,
0: I don't know if the RCMP will need to be called uh, for us here on Zoom. I think we're going to be okay as we're distanced for this. But if we were in person, man, we needed extra reinforcements. That's for sure. Uh, so the way this is going to work is Mike has prepared for us uh, three questions each about the winter classic and if necessary, a tiebreaker. Uh, so Mike, I'm going to hand over the reins to you. You are our quiz master and thank you for doing this. And this will be a first uh, here on the show, and I can't wait to win. Do, sh- should we do promos? Like, should we like get into the spirit? Like, do we get like fifteen seconds to jack at our opponents before we Listen, get started? Listen, Cal,
1: I'm here to tell you <laughs> that you don't know squat about the Winter Classic. You're a Stadium Series guy. You're a Heritage Classic guy. More so that one because you're a stupid Canadian. But when it comes to the Winter Classic, it's, it's all, all about, about-,
3: <laughs> about- <laughs>
0: When I'm done with you you will be not recognizable you will be on the mat you will be crying for your family because I am going to be victorious I hate you you are a mean
1: person and I dislike you and I find your odor offensive <laughs> Yes there we I go. find we
0: your probably.
2: odor it's offensive already good. It's already almost. good We did I, it. I, I, I appreciate you guys and me with this. I've never been a quiz master before. Oh. I don't do a ton, of, a ton of trivia. So this is either going to be the questions are either to be too easy or they're going to be too hard. There's no in between, but well. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys do. In fairness, uh, neither did Maya Bialik, and she hosted Jeopardy for like three
1: weeks, so that's exciting. <laughs> so you guys are akin. Artie, you can go first. You you you're all right. You're all right. I high, go
0: first. There it is. You're
2: higher in the alphabet than I am in in both ways.
0: Re- first reverse psychology. Hand. See, I win. Correct. Let's go. Okay, so let's right.
2: go. So the first question: Counting this year's venue, have there been more Winter Classics played at baseball stadiums or football stadiums?
0: Oh shoot. Oh, I want to say baseball stadiums. <phone rings> That is answer. correct. Baseball yeah. ah.
2: ten, 10 at baseball stadiums, seven at football stadiums, four at yeah. college venues, and three at NFL venues. Wow. All right. There you go. There you go. All right. Fair enough. One-nothing. Okay. Let's
1: go. Okay.
2: All right, Greg. You're up with the number two spot. So the Blackhawks have been in four Winter Classics and have lost them all. Can you name one of the other two teams that have appeared in multiple Winter Classics without a win? Yeah, that's got to be the... Without a win, multiple yeah. Winter
1: Classic. Win. I was
2: because I, I thought
1: it was okay. Uh, ooh, well, it's not the Penguins because they played the Blackhawks
2: at one point, didn't they? Um, the Sabers. Yes, the Sabers are one of them. The other one is Philly. All right, yeah. Were the the
1: Sabers were in that the, the the terrible Winter Classic I talked about before, but of course, the first Winter Classic, which was a great one, and they lost that one too.
2: Yeah, yeah. you got it. So now we're uh, one all. Okay, so Arda uh, number three. When the Canadians played the Bruins at Gillette Stadium in 2016, they accomplished what feat? <laughs> <laughs> this is one of when those the juicy ca- questions. What? Actually... <laughs> when the Canadians
0: wait? What? When the Canadians yeah. played the Bruins? Yeah. At fo- at uh, Foxborough. Yeah. They ac- well they won, <laughs> so that's a feat. Well, can you be more specific?
2: Uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of. Uh of of venues and geographic areas let's say. Oh,
0: okay. Venues and geographic areas. What feet? Like Huh. This is
2: where I get fired as quizmaster.
0: Maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to know, I'm trying to think of like what 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 record did they break a record like Something about, like, the Habs beating the Bruins in Boston, but that, that can't be a record. Does that, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a record. It's it's more of a, I guess, a, a general, very vague accomplishment.
0: It, it's got to be some random stat, like most goals in the third period or something like that, or, like, some stat. I, I don't know. I'm stumped.
2: Okay, well, they became the first NHL team to play outdoor games in both Canada and the United States. Because, oh. of course, their heritage, heritage class classic.
0: Oh, that's good in 2011, okay so. okay all right good one good you, one you,
1: you yeah. didn't get it right but i think ultimately that was a very good trivia nugget for the listeners yes but my favorite
2: Agreed. part about it was you not getting it right yes to- exactly that's the best
0: part because <laughs> yeah. i have a chance to steal good
2: right. job yeah okay so now greg this is a chance for you to to pull ahead here so who holds the record for the most points in a single winter classic performance so that'd be a high-scoring game, and there aren't
1: many of those.
2: Um Claude Giroux. No, it was uh Jordan Jordan Cairo last uh, in 2022. The wild, or no, sorry, the, the blues beat the wild six-four. He got four points, two goals, two assists. You know, that makes sense because I didn't even watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even watch that.
0: I wasn't even there.
2: <laughs> okay, so we're still even. Uh, okay. Moving on okay. to number number five. So sixty-five different players have scored in the Winter Classic since two thousand eight. There are two players who hold the lead for the most goals uh, in Winter Classic games. So career Winter Classic uh, goals. Can you name one of them?
0: Ooh. <laughs> Can I name one of the players that scored the most goals in Winter I there Classic? Being somebody who was like a um, Mr.
1: Winter Classic, as far as scoring a lot of times in the Winter Classic. Uh,
0: Patrick Kane?
2: <laughs> no, Patrick Kane is not one of them.
0: Oh, uh, is it a so, Blackhawk? No. Is it, so wow, is it
2: Sid.
1: No, he didn't score actually a lot of goals in the Winter Classic games. Yeah, imagine.
2: one of them is is I think is surprising. One I think makes sense because they're uh, obviously a noted goal scorer. But if Tarasenko, the, the each of these two guys only has three goals oh, total yeah. in Winter Classic. So Tarasenko has three goals, and Eric Fair has three goals oh, as well. Eric! That's what I was thinking of. Eric yeah. Fair
1: was the guy they were like Mr. Winter Classic because
2: yeah. inexplicably he'd always used to score goals. God, shoot, yeah. man, Eric. I mean, yeah. All right. Two in 2011 and another one when they played in 2015. So, so this one, this
0: one's to win, Wish. You can this win here. for the
2: win. All right, here we yep. go. Okay, so for the win, there have only been two penalty shots in Winter Classic history. Can you name either of the shooters? Oh, my God.
1: Is that Giroux? No. Oh, wow. do I have a
2: reverse? Was it Zuccarello? No. Who was it? So the first one was Briere for the Flyers in 2012. Yeah, there but was... that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. I knew it was a Flyer. You are on the right track. It was a Flyer. 19.6 seconds left in the game. Flyers were down 3-2. He had the game on a stick. Uh, Lundqvist saved it. And then most recently, uh, Guryanov in 2020 uh, at the winter uh-huh. class against oh, the Preds. Yeah, yeah. And he missed. I, uh, he I, I knew
1: that there was a Flyer taking a penalty shot. I couldn't remember that it was Danny Briere, current GM of your Philadelphia Flyers. All right, tiebreaker all right, Mike, time.
0: Mike, you have a tiebreaker. I we'll do. just shout out the answer wish okay. if we got it, all right?
2: Okay. This is this is the most Mike Camito tiebreaker I could come up with in the spirit of, of Hockey 365. So before the Winter Classic in 2008, NHL teams had obviously played outdoor games before. Do you know where the Red Wings played an outdoor game in 19 Prison,
0: in a prison. Let's go, victory! <laughs> Let's go. They yes. had a whole trophy created for the occasion. The They honey mixed pot. and matched the yeah. honeypot. They mixed and matched with the prisoners in Michigan. Tell me if I got the story right. So the general yeah. manager at the time, uh, was it Sid Abel? I think it was at the time. Uh, and uh, Ted Lindsay, a couple of the players did a public appearance and the warden of the prison was there. This was the summer before this happened. And basically the warden said, hey, if we raise enough money, if we create a rink, it's almost like a field of dreams for hockey. Mm-hmm. If we create a rink, if we build it, will you come? And haphazardly, just sort of like, you know, without thinking twice about it, GM says, yeah, sure, we'll show up. And lo and behold, the warden creates the rink, finds the funds. And so the GM's like, well, I guess we got to show up now. So Gordy Howe, Terry Sawchuck, uh, all the star players of the red wings play in this game and like according to urban legend after the first period it was like 19 to nothing so they yeah, just switched players so like um the the um the inmate that was playing center for the prisoners team is now centering like Gordie Howe and and um Ted Lindsay and like now they're just mixing and matching teams don't so a yeah. cra- It's a crazy story.
2: It's it's a yeah, the real longest yard, right? I guess they realize that you probably shouldn't keep running up these score on these violent criminals. And they they realize that let's make more. Let's have more fun with this game than just trying to to trying to run up the numbers. Right. So like uh, my answer is Saskatoon.
1: <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, there probably yeah. was like a didn't they wasn't that the era where they were doing those like exhibition like games in the Maritimes, you know, before the season started just to make money, like the towns would like pay NHL teams to like My, play games.
1: Mike, was Ken Hitchcock part of that prison game in some way, <laughs> shape, or form? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I I remember him talking about it at some point. I don't know if he was he was a part of it or not, but anyways, wild times. Wild times yes. indeed. Yeah. So the I win. World- let's go you're oh, you victorious
0: I'm the champion Greg Wyszynski, you sit there you eat it because I am the world champion of drop trivia
1: I I, I it, there's a part of me that's like like a little surprised you don't have a winter classic belt somewhere in, <laughs> in your your hovel over there but uh congratulations Arda, on being trivia master
0: of the winter classic. I will I will get you at the stadium series, sir. <laughs> yeah, we do the stadium series trivia. That'll be your revenge. So the Leafs 365, uh, where can people pick up the book, Mike?
2: Uh, you can get it wherever you like to buy books. So again, if you have a favorite independent bookseller, you can get it from there. If they don't have it, they'll order it from you. Otherwise, you know, Amazon, Chapters Indigo in this, in Canada, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you live to buy books in the States, it's available there as well. Awesome.
0: Thanks for joining us, Mike. This was fun.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.
0: All right, that about does it for us here on the special Winter Classic edition of The Drop. Enjoy the game between Seattle and Vegas happening in Seattle on January 1st, 2024. You can look forward to listening to this show every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts as well as the NHL on ESPN YouTube. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.